We will be accepting donations for Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Uh, you can mail your offerings to the church. Our address is 1155 Oglethorpe Avenue, Athens, Georgia, 30606. Again, that address is 1155 Oglethorpe Avenue, Athens, Georgia, 30606. Now, for the time being, <clears throat> we are putting a hold on collections for Operation Christmas Child. We encourage you to keep looking for items to put in the boxes using online shopping, sh uh, such as Amazon. We will be having a prayer meeting Bible study web conference on Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. and Thursday night at 8 p.m. Now, if you have any needs during this time, you can reach out to your deacon or contact the church directly by messaging them on Facebook or sending an email to info at fhbcathens.org. In Esther chapter 4, we continue the study. When Mordecai learned all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the midst, middle of the city and wailed loudly and bitterly. And he went as far as the king's gate, for no one was to enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. And in each and every province where the uh, command and decree of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews and fasting and weeping and wailing and many lay on sackcloth and ashes. Then Esther's maidens and her eunuchs came and told her the queen writ in great anguish and she sent garments to clothe Mordecai that he might remove his sackcloth from him. But he did not accept them. Then Esther summoned Hattach from the king's eunuchs, whom the king had appointed to attend her, and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what was and what what, what it was. So uh, Hatketh went out to Mordecai to the city square in front of the king's gate. And Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact amount of money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasurers for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict which had been issued in Susa for their destruction that he might show Esther, inform her, and to order her to go in to the king to implore his favor and to plead with him for her people. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this time and thank you for your word and may you bless our lives by speaking to us through it as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. We come to chapter 4. There has been a feud going on. Uh, this feud has been be between Mordecai and uh, uh, Haman. And the reason being is because it's uh, but, uh, against uh, um, or between the Ma Amalekites and the Jews. It's been long-lasting. And so... Uh, Haman had ordered all the uh, everyone in the palace to bow down to him, but the Jews, uh, Mordecai leading them, uh, felt uncomfortable about this, and especially Mordecai, and he would not bow to Haman. And so this caused Haman to get uh, very upset. 
so much so that he said, okay, now I can get revenge on uh, Mordecai and the Jews for what they did to my family. And so he, um, and what they've been doing all these years. And so he, along with that, um, came to the king and, and got the king's approval. And they sent this uh, decree out throughout the uh, Persian Empire to get rid of not just Mordecai, but all the Jews. Today we're going to be looking at a message, Stand By Me, or better yet, Stand With Me. There's a song that came out in the 60s by Ben King. He goes something like this. When the night has come and the land is dark and the moon is the only light we see, no, I won't be afraid, no, I won't be afraid, just as long as you stand, stand by me. And darling, I'm not going to sing it, darling, stand by me. And now, now, stand by me, stand by me, stand by me. If the sky that we look upon should tumble and fall and the mountains should tr uh, crumble to the sea, I won't cry, I won't cry. No, I won't shed a tear just as long as you stand, stand by me. Well, we're going to stop there. But you get the drift, I hope. And that is Mordecai was trying to get Esther to stand with him, stand by him, stand with the Lord. So here is Mordecai's reaction to what has been going on, this, uh, this decree that has uh, been uh, formed and uh, written up and, and uh, sent out as far as getting rid of all the Jews. We see when Mordecai learned all that had occurred, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, went into the middle of the city, and cried loudly and bitterly. The tearing of one's clothes was a sign of deep distress. The sackcloth was usually made of a, a coarse material. Ashes played, uh, placed on the head acknowledged a troubling crisis. Kind of like what we're going through, I guess, uh, crisis, troubling. And so uh, here Mordecai is outside the king's administrative building, crying with a loud and bitter, bitter cry. And his pain was more than just skin deep. It went deep within his soul. The desperate state was shown through his uh, actions. He was experiencing uh, uh, a, a, a broken heartedness, not just for uh, something that was accused against him and made against him, it was made against uh, the entire uh, nation of Israel there in Persia. And so uh, what Mordecai was troubled over involved his whole race. And uh, we see that there was fasting, weeping, and praying. And in each of every province where the command and the decree of the king came, it says in chapter 4, verse 3, there was great mourning among the Jews. It wasn't just with Mordecai. It was with all the Jews. There was fasting and weeping and wailing, and many lay on sackcloth and ashes. Some scholars tell us that the only other time in the Hebrew Bible where you find these three verbs in exactly that identical construction is in the book of Joel. Now, uh, while the individual words for fasting and weeping and wailing uh, may appear at other places, they, the scholars say that they don't appear exactly in that order except in Joel. 
where Joel says, Return to the Lord with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and wailing. What is he talking about? He's talking about repenting. He's talking about turning to the Lord. And this is what I think that Mordecai and others were finally coming to uh, or bringing to, having brought to their attention. And that is uh, a national revival and a total abandonment upon uh, the sovereign mercy of a, a, a Yahweh God. They knew that they were in a desperate situation. Mordecai's response was myriad in every province, it says, that the uh, edict was delivered. And so the remedy was only one. And they had come to, that rem they'd come to realize that remedy was not found in Persia. It wasn't found in, in any certain group of people it, was, it came only from God. And so they were turning to God. The Jewish people needed uh, help both within to begin with and without for saving their, uh, their physical bodies. So many times with crisis, there comes bonding. And we see this bonding here. We have the suffering of the Jews bringing people together. It's like the, uh, the crisis that's going on today with this flu. You notice how it's bringing a lot of people together. Even if you want to go to the political realm, some even within the political realm uh, are willing to compromise and work together for the solution that will help the people. And so this was the way the people uh, responded uh, oftentimes uh, in the Middle East uh, during crisis at least God's people so suffering moves us it gets us out of our comfort zone it, it it puts us into maybe the war zone together that's going on it puts us uh, out before others with uh, only wearing our vulnerability not having the answer all the time not knowing what to do but but depending upon God and and, and praying to the Lord and asking for prayers to be lifted up to God. Hardships force us to, to grab hands with one another. And especially as far as Christians are concerned with God. And that's what we need. We need to turn to the Lord. We need to, to, to examine during crisis what's going on. What might need to be changed in my life to, to bring about God working. And, and how can I... Uh, allow God to work in me and through me to, uh, to demonstrate his power and his grace to a world that needs it at this time, to know the assurance that I have that, that uh, only comes from the Lord. And so we see that the suffering moved them. One author said that, um, put it this way about suffering, suffering never ruined a nation, hardship, doesn't fracture families affluence does but not suffering not hardship it pushes everyone to the same level the same goal and that is survival and where is our survival our survival is in the Lord and we must recognize that we must realize that that it and it should push us to the rock the rock the solid rock the the foundation that uh, we're built upon. Mordecai dressed as he uh, was, uh, you know, and 
his dress would not allow him to go beyond the, uh, the king's gate. And he knew this, but he also knew that the wailing and the weeping and the crying and, and the uh, praying also hopefully would bring attention to the point where word would get to Queen Esther. Now, he was on a mission of the heart for God and for his people. And God was using him. But not only his reaction, let's look at Queen Esther's response. That's, that's uh, very uh, interesting. When Queen Esther heard what Mordecai was doing, what did she do? It says, then Esther summoned Hackett from the king's eunuchs, whom the king had appointed to attend her and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what, was, what this was and why it was. And she sent him a change of clothes. Well, Queen Esther must have known, you know, something was going on. Uh, she must have heard about it, even though she was isolated from all of this, but she probably sent, you know, uh, some, some of her uh, uh, people that worked with her or around her came in and told her that uh, Mordecai was out in the streets and that he was uh, uh, crying out to God. And he was in sackcloth and ashes. And so uh, Queen Esther what got, became concerned about this. Um, even though she was behind walls, even though she was protected from all of this, uh, God worked it out where she would find out about it. And God has a way of doing that. We, we may get behind our walls at the church, and we may isolate ourselves, but I want to tell you, God will get our attention. He'll do what he has to to get our attention. And so uh, we come to, next we come to Mordecai's report when she's sent the eunuch out there to find out about it and give him clothes and all this. Shortly the eunuch returns armed not only with a copy of the uh, wanted poster, but also all the Jews uh, that are to be wiped out uh, that are uh, listed in the, uh, the decree. And so... Uh, the edict was made up, uh, sent by Haman, and by her husband's signet, uh, signet ring, uh, it was uh, authorized. And so we see in verses 7 and 8, and Mordecai told him all that had happened to him. This is very interesting. And the exact moment of money, or amount, excuse me, of money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasurers for the destruction of the Jews. Somehow he knew this. The word had gotten out, what he had said, what he had done, what he had offered. He also gave him a copy uh, of the text of the edict which had been issued in Susa for the destruction that he might show Esther and inform her uh, to order her to go to the king to employ his favor and to plead with him for her people. Mordecai not only informs the king, and, and this is so important, he sends official evidence to show her exactly what has been said. How he reacted at this moment is so important. Too often, we're, we go through situations, and I think that we don't become completely broken to the point where we become completely honest, and we just do away with uh, whatever emotion might stir us up, anger or bitterness or revenge or whatever, and... Uh, instead, we just don't care about any of that. We just say, this is what happened. 
the best that I remember. And this is where Mordecai was. You know, we, uh, we let our emotions so often tell the story instead of a broken heart before God, letting God work through that broken heart. And when we do, what happens is we begin to, if we let our emotions tell the story, so often they begin to take control and tell half-truths, and sometimes it amounts to total falsehoods. And so, we, you know, we live in a society, we live in an ever-growing society preoccupied with rumor and slander rather than finding the truth. Half-truths and innuendos become accepted truths. The unreliable gospel becomes reliable fact. And that's what Mordecai was careful about. He did not want that to happen with him and his, record, uh, his report. We need to be very careful what we say. We need, to, we need to look at Mordecai as an example. We need to be very careful how we say it. We need to be very careful to send the right message when we say it. And be, get, be careful to send it to the right person. And be careful to send it with the right motive. Mordecai knew how important it was sending the right message with the correct data uh, to the queen. Because why? It involved her reputation. It involved her job. It involved her life. And it also involved the Jewish nation. So... He knew that this might be the only chance to get the word to Esther, so he wanted to get it to her correctly. Now then, look at her reasoning. It says, Esther, uh, you know, obeyed Mordecai. She stood, if she obeyed him, she stood the risk uh, of losing everything. And, and when I say everything, I mean even her life. The king had not sent for her in 30 days. Now, why had he not sent for her? She couldn't just go popping into the king and say, Honey, we have a problem. Haman has tricked you into sealing his edict, which would involve getting rid of the Jews. You love me, don't you? You chose me. You thought I was beautiful. You thought I had a great personality. Well, when you get rid of the Jews, there's something little that I didn't tell you before we got married. I'm a Jew. Queen Esther couldn't do that. No other person could enter the king's presence without him inviting them. Or when they appeared, his scepter agreed for them. He raised it up agreeing for them to enter in. Esther had not been, she, she needed to learn something. She had not been chosen to be queen simply because she was beautiful or because of her grace-like character. She had been placed there by God for a reason. That's so very important because if we don't believe that we've been placed here with a purpose by God, then we won't be carrying out his duty, his plans, his purpose. Mordecai knew the, the stuff Queen Esther was made of. He knew her character because he had, he had raised her and, and taught her how to act. And 
and who to trust. And just like with parents, when the, the children are young, there's nudging and urging uh, that goes on for maturity by the parents with the children. But as they grow up, just like with Queen Esther, there comes a time when they're on their own. Cutting the strings, if you will, going back to Genesis, the cords. But there may be times when that doesn't mean that you just forget them all together or they forget you. There may be times when, when uh, you have to nudge them in the right direction. And this nudging, like with Esther, may involve firmness, unfortunately. It was telling her that she needed to stand up even if it meant her life. So Queen Esther sends a reply to Mordecai, the law prohibits me from coming before my husband unless I am summoned. I have not been summoned to come to the king for these 30 days. And they relayed Esther's message to Mordecai. Sometimes we just have to be shaken. And when we're shaken, we become connected again. And the reason that we're shaken is because we become disconnected. It's easy to be brave when we are protected and secure, when we have nothing to risk, but Esther had everything to risk. Too many times we believers, we fall in that category. We even begin to, to judge those that we think that are faithless in, in their walk while we safely hide behind our lack of commitment and, our, and in our comfort zone. Well... What was Mordecai's response? Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not imagine that you and the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time. Those were verses 13 and 14. Very important verses. People hang on to these verses. They, they love these verses. Why? Well, he was telling Esther a few things. First of all, just because you're hiding in a palace doesn't mean you're safe. You see, a lot of times we can be comfortable and we think that, uh, you know, that, that we're okay and, and that we're exempt from problems by coming to church, by going home, by going through the activities during the week and and being consistent in that. But that doesn't guarantee us that, that we're going to be exempt from trials and problems and crisis and difficulties. If we rely on that, too often we'll end up compromising our lifestyle. And uh, we'll begin to live by our senses and our emotions instead of God's spirit. And usually when that happens, we begin to easily become discouraged discontent, judgmental, and even defeated. The secret will eventually get out, Mordecai is telling him. This is a defining moment for her. Esther was learning that favor with man does not necessarily get her favor with God. So how easy it is to become comfortable where we live, how we live, our jobs, our with our friends and we soon forget where we came from and to whom we belong 
Second of all, Mordecai tells her that she is not indispensable. And that means all of us. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. How often we have been silent for God when we should have spoken out for him. We've refused the responsibility that he's given us. We've refused to honor him, and because of that, our blessings we do not see from our service with him and our obedience to him. We become disgruntled and ineffective instead of rejoicing, knowing that God is using us. We can see God at work and knowing that he's there and he's using the talents and the gifts that he's empowered us with. Mordecai is letting Esther know that God is not limited to using her, even though he has called her to a specific ministry. God can raise a solution through someone else. Remember, this is the God who created the universe with just spoken word, and it came out of nothing. God never lim limits himself to just something or someone. He always has alternative routes. So often, if we're not careful, we begin to think too highly of ourselves. Well, you know, this ministry just can't go on without me. It can't, you know, they, it'll just fall, it'll falter, uh, you know, it'll just cease if, if I'm not doing it. I heard many people say, what will come uh, with this world and, and evangelism when uh, Billy Graham moves off the scene? Who can replace him? Well, he has different ways. He has alternatives. It doesn't mean that he has to do things in the same way, same fashion. Those were popular in his day and time. But there's other ways today that God can get the word out to the people and be just as effective. God will allow us to live out our purpose, but it is up to us through our choices whether we remain in it or not. And then finally, Mordecai helps the queen realize that God is sovereign. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time. In other words, Esther... This, have you ever thought that God's doing this? Wake up. There's more to this than meets the eye. He's behind the curtain working. And so it isn't about fear of death or facing judgment that's the incentive for serving God here. It's, it's really realizing that you're a part of God's plan. And God has chosen you to be a part of that plan. What a privilege. What an honor. What a blessing. So as we move on, we, we see that we, we have that privilege as Christians today, being a part of his glorious plan, being able to bring honor and glory to God with our obedience. Jesus said, and we'll be getting to this in Matthew, I will, and we talked a little bit about it this morning, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. His church has a privilege of him empowering them and doing his work for his glory, getting accomplished for his kingdom. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. God doesn't force us to be faithful, but he does command and empower us to be obedient to him. 
is still our choice. Uh, Esther decides to finally stand by me. We could reword that. Esther sees a light and decides to act upon it. Uh, learn that she did not exist for herself, but for a reason. She existed to make a difference. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai. God had uh, go and assemble all the Jews who were found in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, nights or days. I and my uh, maidens also will fast in the same way, and thus I will go to the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and did just as Esther had commanded him. If there is no impact for the kingdom of God through our lives, then we've failed as a representative of God. But two things you must notice with Queen Esther is she needed to be sensitive to the news that she shared, she had heard. And then the greatest tragedy that could happen to Esther was not death. We hear people say, uh, you know, when asked how they're progressing with a certain sickness, they say, well, you know, it's tough, it's, it's hard, but it beats the alternative. You may have said that. I may have said that. But do we realize what we're saying there? Do we realize that the alternative deals with a greater thing? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So is being present with the Lord really worse than sickness that you're going through? Because when you're with the Lord, there'll be no sickness, no sorrow, no pain, no suffering, no heartache. So uh, what we need to understand is that uh, the greatest tragedy here is not death. If I die, I die, she said. The greatest tragedy is if she had refused to be obedient. If Esther had been disobedient, she would have missed her kingdom assignment. That means she would have existed in life without carrying out the accomplishment of why she was put there. If our life isn't focused on leading people to Christ, discipling people in the faith and helping them grow, then we need to look at Mordecai's words and need to examine them and ask ourselves, are we doing all that we need to do? Are we standing up? Are we making an impact? Do we realize that God has placed us here? 